0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the courtside convo. It is October twentieth, a Thursday night here, the basement of Impact. Um, we have AJ to my left, Josh to my right again, but we got two new faces. Well, one new face, one semi-new face. We have Carter Fry and Jack Morland. I'm going to let them introduce themselves right off the bat. We'll start with Carter here. He was a host last year, uh, but just for the new listeners, we'll uh, we'll let him give you a little refresher.
1: Yeah, my name is Carter Fry. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I'm a senior journalism major with minors in sports journalism and PR. Um, I'm from Chicago, love the Bulls. And um, yeah, I've done some work with SSR this year, Impact in the past, and uh, really excited to you know be on the pod again this year. It's going to be a fun season.
0: Yeah, great to have you back. And now, brand new face, happy to have you, Jack. Let us know uh, let us know a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm happy to be here. Uh, my name is Jack. I'm a third-year uh, journalism student here. I'm interested in being like, a sports photographer, um, and I'm from just an area in East Lansing. Uh, my favorite team is the Detroit Pistons. For those listening, I am wearing a Cade Cunningham jersey right now, uh, but I will try to not let that impact my takes too much. Well, you can. Who cares? <laughs> this is. I think this is the
0: first, first time and I this is my third year doing this that we've had a majority pistons fans. There we go. For sure. At Michigan no. State for yep. a basketball podcast. So it's pretty impressive.
2: The restoration. Yep.
3: Yeah. Get on the bandwagon while you can. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's been a cle it's been a or not Cleveland. It's been a Chicago uh podcast m- mostly with Carter. Josh will be here to help him out and then um yeah, it's been a, a lot of Chicago and now we have another Midwest fan with Josh in Cleveland. So we got the whole central division almost we just needed Pacers and Bucks <laughs> fan, but We'll get there. All right. Speaking of Midwest, there's been NBA games played. Finally, um, it's been way too long, and it was been. It's been an exciting two days. There's games going on currently, but we'll save those for next week if anything too important happens. We're gonna jump right in with since we have the majority, we can do whatever we want, guys. So we're <laughs> gonna talk about the Pistons first here. They beat the the Magic 109 in the type of game. You, I don't personally. I wasn't. I couldn't have asked for much more as a Pistons fan. I still, This is still a rebuilding team. They're kind of getting to the end, hopefully, of that rebuild within the next few years. But the rookies shined. Um, Ivy, Durin, turned one of the least athletic teams left from last year. And now they're looking like one, they could be one of the most exciting athletic teams. Um, Durin, 18 years old, youngest Piston ever with a double-double. Um, yeah, on the other side, Paolo proved he looked like the number one pick. Um Most points in their rookie, or most points by a rookie in their debut since LeBron. And I think he tied LeBron, and it's the most actually since 96, Allen Iverson. So pretty impressive. He also put Corey Joseph on a poster. (laughs) Sorry, Corey Joseph. But yeah, they win 113, 109. They're undefeated. What do you guys have to say about it? What's your takeaways?
3: For the Pistons, I mean, Ivy and Duran are obviously, I feel like the main storylines. They were just phenomenal. And I think. They are going to automatically just add an extra level of athleticism to this team that we haven't seen before. You know, Casey has talked about playing faster, you know, playing with a more up tempo pace. And I think I think this season, last year they were ranked thirteenth in pace. I just wrote a piece about it, but they were ranked like thirteenth. This year I expect them to jump into the top ten. And I think they should. And I, I think I think it won't come I, I don't think it'll be like an erratic. Type of base. A lot of teams, younger teams, they play fast, but it's also coincides with being sloppy. I don't expect to see that, at least not too much, just because I think these guys are really athletic, and it's a part of who they are. I don't think they're going to be playing fast and out of control just because they're trying to adjust to the pace or anything like that. I think that's just how they play, and I'm really excited to see, you know, how things continue. It so yeah, was a the,
0: great start to that point. I think when you you have that type of athleticism in Ivy and Duran. C- Cade is the guy that'll slow them down, who calm yeah, them down. Right. So I think that that's when you talk about um, not being too erratic. I think Ivy will have those moments, of course. That's just how he plays. That's why he's as good as he is. But I think Cade being there to, to mentor him and, and to calm him down is is a good presence. And I think that he'll he'll limit those those kind of those stretches that where it looks kind of ugly, a lot of turnovers in a row. Cade's the kind of guy you can go to, slow things down, calm everybody down. So I think that, that that's a perfect role for him.
2: What do yeah. you got, Jack? I'm really excited to see how Killian Hayes does with this addition of some athleticism, some speed, because uh, I think that's the way that he likes to play. Um, I mean, I could there was countless number of times when he and Duran were leading the fast break, and I know as the season goes on, that'll become like quite the lob duo. Uh, there's going to be a lot of highlight plays coming out of that, and you know, getting IV cutting off the corner or something like that. So I'm really excited for him. Uh, but yeah, I completely agree. I think Cade is the perfect guy. You know, he likes to run a little bit, but. He's that perfect, like, slow floor general guy who will keep them in check and use their abilities, like, you know, to the most.
0: Yeah, it's a much better second unit than previous years, and I think Killian is going to – I don't know. We'll we'll find out if he's a true rotation player in the NBA, but once they get Burks back, I, Isaiah Livers back, that's going to be a true second unit. He's going to mm-hmm. have shooters. He's going to have Durin to throw lobs to. Even when Noel's back, he's got a defender uh, if they choose to go that route. So, yeah, I think Killian is uh has – He's in a role that you don't want your seventh overall pick from a few years to go to be in, but like, if he's going to have to do something, it seems like he's got a pretty good surrounding supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Carter, Josh, you guys got anything on this game you want to touch on?
1: Um, I mean, you guys are really deep this year. I, like, there's ten solid guys on the Pistons that you could throw in there that you have confidence in that can play both ends of the floor, so that's really exciting. But my one concern is you guys are really small too like you have Jalen Duran and Isaiah Stewart and as far as like centers go and big guys like you know N- N- Noel is kind of your only other option there and obviously f- throwing other guys in at the four and you don't really need a third like good center but yeah it's worth considering that you know height might be a struggle you know especially with you know injuries going down you know later in the season so that's my only thing with the Pistons but they look you know really good and I think they could, you know, make a push at the play-in and, you know, maybe even better than that this year. Yeah, I think in terms of play-in,
0: I think it'll depend on how hard teams are going to tank for Vic and how early they'll start tanking for Vic. Mm -hmm. And I don't—I'm not sure. I don't know if Troy's going to go that route, if things go a little sour. He might, but they also have talked about that this is the year they feel like their roster is where they want it to be at. And if there's an opportunity that teams just don't want to go for that 10th spot and the Pistons are last one standing, I don't think it's the worst— Thing to get your guys, your young guys, experience in a must-win game, and then just see what happens from there. So, I think that if this, if any year, the Pistons come, like I think the fact that this draft is so strong helps the Pistons. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. absolutely. So either they go that, they, I, I don't think they'll be stuck in the middle. I think they're going to fully go for the 10 seed and keep Bogdanovich and play all those guys all year, or they'll trade Bogdanovich and if things go wrong, and they'll play Durin, 20 minutes a night, and then they'll see how that goes. And if they suck, they get a chance at Vic. So I don't think they're going to be stuck in the middle, which is a good problem to have. Yeah. Um, you got anything to add, Josh? I,
4: I just, aside from all the young talent, which is which was very very much on display in that win against the Magic. I and we were talking about it before the show, but I I really liked how Bogdanovich fit because I don't. I don't want to, you know, I, Jeremy Grant's a very good player. Bogdanovich is a very good player. But I think Bogdanovich fits with, the, like, the young talent on the Pistons a lot better than a guy like Jeremy Grant that wants to do a little more ISO, wants kind of to be able to get his own shot. I mean, a guy, they, they had 14 threes in the game, and Bogdanovich had six of them. I mean, that's huge in a four-point game. And, I mean, having shooting from a guy like that that's a veteran that's going to play well... You know, in basically yeah. every facet of the game, nothing—not a superstar in any aspect—but he's just a solid player all around that doesn't need the ball in his hands. I think that's going to be huge for them. Yeah,
0: I agree. And you talk about the three pointers; it was ple- it was a pleasant surprise to see Isaiah be the one to hit the three at the end. Yeah. Um, he he need- he's been working on that a lot, and his stroke looks has looked good. And he just missed the first three, but he hit the first three threes he took, and he hit that one in the corner. Um, and I don't know if. I think it's that's Dern spot in the future, that five spot. But if he if he can hit that shot and he's pretty mobile, covering or like on on the perimeter, if if he wants a starting spot, it might end up it might have to be at the four in the future. Um, if you guys got you guys got anything anything else, AJ?
3: I just wanted to touch on Ben Carroll a little bit because I just I felt like he was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think me and Josh both picked yeah, Ben Carroll yeah. for rookie of the year rookie of the year, but he, he was absolutely phenomenal last night, and it was really great to see. Um, like I've said before, I think he's he reminds me a lot of a younger Carmelo, but he's bigger and he provides more playmaking, which I think is a really dangerous combination. And Orlando's guards their Markel Fultz is obviously out right now. Suggs had a big, big night last night, but Cole Anthony was also out. I think they understand that they can put the ball in his hands and trust him to make plays, and he did that for them last night. He was huge, so.
0: Yeah, he's strong too. Like the first bucket of the game, he Sadiq's a big, strong yeah. guy, and he bumped Sadiq off his spot under the basket. And from there, and then from there, he just seemed to score whenever he wanted to. And he said after the game that he felt like he should have had thirty because he felt he missed a couple easy shots and he might have too. So yeah, he got in yeah. some foul trouble too early yeah. in the game. Yeah, he's gonna be a problem. He's gonna be really good. All right, on to the Chicago portion yes. of this podcast. We'll let Carter lead us off, but I'll over a little bit what happened the bulls uh the shorthanded bulls go down to miami and beat uh beat the heat demar Derozan looked just as good as he did last year if not better that same clutch player in the fourth quarter that we've all uh we've all figured he like we've all we learned that he is last year um zach levine uh uh, was out uh, lonzo ball we knew was going to be out but two of your three two of your four best players out and you go down and beat The number one seed in the East a year ago. How are you feeling, Carter?
1: Oh, I'm feeling on top of the world. The Bulls, honestly, could, you know, we could see a very similar picture to the first half of last year where they're on top, you know, top of the conference, winning games, looking like, you know, they might end up with the one seed, but then, you know, we never know how the season's going to go. So, barring, you know, no major injuries and hoping that Lonzo and Levine get back healthy soon. I think that we have a legit push at, you know, a conference, you know, finals matchup or, you know, maybe even going, you know, a step further if DeRozan can keep up this play all season, because we saw he could do it when he wasn't injured last year. And last night was just more of that 37 points, 14 of 22, two of three from three, which is encouraging. He's not the best shooter from outside, but I thought he, you know, that it was a strong suit last night, hit two clutch shots. Um, Vucevic, you know, he's, Only five of 13. We didn't shoot great at all last night. No one did. But it was a lot of, you know, seeing how the team moves around and is passing the ball. Because last year, you know, kind of similar to how Joey Hauser didn't really fit with the team most of last season. They'd given the ball, you know, top of the key, have nothing to do with it. They kind of threw Vooch into a lot of those situations last year. And this, from what I saw last night, it seemed like Billy Donovan's really got the offense flowing. And uh, even though we missed a lot of shots, you know, Kobe White. Andre showed up. Uh, Andre Drummond and uh, Goran Dragic really came in and showed that their veteran presence is felt. Even though they didn't have like the best, you know, games on paper, they still really uh, I thought contributed to the win. and They played it close till the end, but pulled it out thanks to Demar Derozan and the supporting crew. So Bulls looking good. I'm very happy. Sorry about the rant.
0: No, you're good. It's <laughs> your team and uh, I was uh, I wanted to ask you about. I'm not too... T- I saw that Levine is... He's ruled out for next game, too. Yeah. I was wondering if you had any knowledge of what he's dealing with or...
1: Yeah, um, I I forget exactly what it is, but I know they announced, like, a few days ago that he'd be out the first two games, so it's not, okay. like, anything new that got worse. I don't think... I think they're just keeping him out the first two, and he should be back. I think we play Saturday for our third games. So we got a back-to-back, so... we yeah, Should I- be seeing him Saturday.
0: I think it's impressive um, that they were able to go down to Miami and Jimmy Butler played a decent game too. He, he played like a Jimmy Butler game. He was just very solid, tough on defense. Um, and just the fact that they, um, I think a lot of people, it was a like kind of a, a popular pick to pick like uh, the saying the bulls would be the team in the East that kind of dropped off this year. They might've had a chip on their shoulder coming into this one. Um, DeMar DeRozan, maybe people were talking, maybe it's just a, a one-time thing. Maybe you can't repeat it. And it looks like he's, well on his way to. So anybody else got any? Jack, go ahead.
2: I was disappointed with Bam Adebayo. You know, I just, I didn't watch a lot of this game because it was on at the same time as the Pistons um, or some overlap. But, you know, I just like, it's disappointing to see that he came in and still had, what, he shot five of 15 as their center and just didn't help Jimmy at all. You know, that was the big key to them losing last year in the playoffs. And I was just really hoping that he would come out stronger and you know granted one game it's a tiny sample size but you know it's just not a great look um and I really just want to see him succeed I like that heat team uh and I think you know I hope that they don't miss their window of opportunity here with Jimmy you know playing like he's in his prime right now so it was just kind of sad to see that
0: I was kind of sad that I was glad that he had the the dreads and the uh and like the uh <laughs> the graphic I, was, I wanted to see him play with those but um yeah I was where, where do you guys think Chicago and Miami respectively will end up in the east if you guys got any opinion on that?
3: For Chicago, I think a lot of it is going to rest on, you know, the health of their stars, mm-hmm. particularly Ball. Like I think Lonzo is a huge part of what Chicago does. Um you know, he doesn't he obviously doesn't score the ball as much as most guards do around the league, but he he's he moves the ball super well and he just does so many things that don't show up on the box score, similar to how Jason Kidd affected the game, you know, many years ago. So I think a lot of it is going to depend on the health of Ball and, and Levine as well and, you know, and DeRozan too, obviously. But while you love to see DeRozan having games like this, I, I can only wonder how many nights he can continue to do this for. And, you know, hopefully it's not many and they're able to get their guys back because they're going to need them.
1: For sure. Yeah,
3: and I I actually think that
4: As far as Miami goes, that could be a team that slips this year because I think that we've all kind of been conditioned to look at Miami as this team that just won't ever slip because of the fact that even like when LeBron left and that core blew up, they were still somehow making the playoffs, challenging some of those, you know, the higher-seeded teams they were going against with guys like Justice Winslow in the starting lineup. They were winning playoff games.
2: Dion Waiters. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Oh, my
4: goodness. And, you know, but, you know, if you look at their roster itself, I mean, they— they don't have the talent that they've had, particularly on the bench Mm -hmm. with some of these past teams, especially some of these past Jimmy teams. And I mean, you know, uh, Kyle Lowry, who's supposed to be probably their their third leading scorer most nights and one of the most important pieces in their offense was completely taken out of this game by what is the Bulls' backup backcourt. He had two points, three turnovers, and four assists. He did absolutely nothing. And this was, you know, not necessarily a huge blowout game. I, I mean, it's an eight-point game. It's not necessarily close. But I mean, in a game where you know it's less than ten points, I mean, and you have a guy like Kyle Lowry that, I, I mean, he's a zero factor in this game. He just did absolutely nothing, and that was because of the the defense and the length of the the young backup Bulls backcourt, which is which is crazy to think because they're going to be working, Desumu and Caruso in with Ball and those guys. They're they're going to be able to have a, a you know perimeter stopping duo in the game at all times if they want when they're fully healthy. Yeah, scary, isn't it? It's it's <laughs> nice. No, it's it definitely nice. Is. It's nice. They've got a lot of length. The only thing I uh, the only thing I worry about with sh- with Chicago is you know I don't really like Drummond behind Vooch just because I think Drummond's kind of been aged out of the NBA a little bit. But but I I I think Chicago's great. I I I do think Miami could could fall off a little bit this year. I think there'll definitely be. I don't think they're going to be a four, top four seed. I think they're going to be in the lower half of the East. Yeah, for I think sure. that's fair. I think I agree with
0: basically everything you said. I just – it's hard to count out Spolstra. So it is, that, that's and that's what, what I, I said.
4: It I, it I feel like is. we've all been yeah. conditioned to think that way, and that's what I mean. I, I don't want to count them out, and I'm sure I'll, I could be wrong, but I just – looking at that talent, I don't – Yeah, I think there are yeah. four
0: or five better – I think I think there are four or five more talented teams in the East for sure, for sure. at least. For so, sure, But last year, I I don't think that they were the most talented team in the East, and they – we're one game away, a few shots away from going to the NBA Finals, so you never know. Yeah, for sure. All right. Now on to the the third uh central division team. The Raptors defeated the Cavs in Toronto, uh one oh eight to one oh five was a really close game. Donovan Mitchell's Cavs debut, uh did not disappoint, had thirty one points, nine assists. Garland got hurt See, I I saw that he got his inside of his eyelid got scratched, and that sounds horrible. Um but Jared Allen looked like a defensive player of the year in the interior, and, and Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes flashed um, like they a few like flashed a few times like they had all last year, and now Cleveland and Toronto fans are going at it on Twitter, <laughs> arguing, <laughs> and that's fun to uh just after one game, it's fun to, to watch that uh, the Scotty and Mobley fans go back and forth, forth. so we got a Cleveland guy here to, to talk about it. Let's, let's, what do you let's hear what you got Josh.
4: So I I think the biggest thing that I saw with this this game which was a great game was that I I think the Cavs are very athletic and they've got a lot of talent but Toronto absolutely bullied them in this game. I mean Toronto was so much so much more physical than the Cavs were which is kind of crazy to say when the Cavs have Mobley and Allen and and Allen played well and Mobley didn't have a bad game either but I, I mean, and, and the Garland injury was on one such play. I mean, Gary Trent just trying to make a hustle play caught him and you know, inadvertently caught him in the eye. But I mean, uh, which, which is big too. And I do like that the Cavs only lost by three, missing such a big piece of their offense like Garland, especially against such a tough defensive team that has such switchability like the Raptors. But the, the biggest thing for me was still that uh, even though Mitchell had 31 and nine, he was great. Uh, the the raptors were so impressive with the physicality they played with and how how the their lineup synergizes like they they can switch everything they can switch everything and and on offense they can put every guy in any spot they want you know, siakam at center is just such a problem uh, and i i think that they're probably going to be a top 4 seed maybe they have the potential to do it and I was really impressed with how physical they played because, because the Cavs are bigger than them, and th- it didn't matter. It, it didn't matter on the boards. It didn't matter in the paint, and the Cavs' size played well, and it just didn't matter.
0: Yeah, I love the lineups Toronto can roll out there with just a bunch of uh, a bunch of guys who are similar in size. They can shoot, play defense, and then you have Van Fleet orchestrating it all, and Nick Nurse behind the bench, one of the better coaches, if not the best coach in the league. So, um, And also, it's good... I'm happy for Toronto fans. They finally. Um, it seems like it's been with COVID. Canada's been a little bit different, so they have. Uh, sometimes they've had fans. Sometimes they haven't. They were in Tampa Bay, I believe, during the COVID year. So, it, it seems like they haven't been able to, to kind of get in the same groove. A lot of other teams, or basically every other team, has been, so, and they have great fans. So I'm glad that their fans are, are back and, uh, um, and they have that same home court advantage again. Anyone else uh, got anything?
3: I think Toronto is going to take another leap this year. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but they went out and hired Rico Hines to be a part of their, like, development staff. Oh, yeah, yeah. And all of their guys were out in L.A. running all summer long with anybody who came there, and everybody was there this summer. Besides, I think LeBron didn't make an appearance, but pretty much every, every other star that you can think of came through. And yeah, I remember refreshing, waiting for that Pistons video to come yeah. out. Yeah. Kevin Knox looked really good out yeah. there, didn't he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did not so much in Detroit. But that's okay. <laughs> but but yeah, I expect them to to take another leap. And I, I, Masai just Masai Ujuri, I think he just has a very futuristic viewpoint of the game. And I think they understand that size, length, versatility it's it's all where the game is headed. And I think they're a few steps ahead of most franchises in the league right now.
0: Yeah, actually, that that point reminds me of uh, Kevin Durant. I believe it was on the, I think it was JJ Reddick's podcast. He was on some podcast or some talk show, and someone asked him about the future of the NBA, and he said, he's like, uh, he's paraphrasing, he said, me, like, my, this, my type of player, like, like six, six, seven to seven foot guys who can handle the ball and shoot, yep. and that's pretty much what Toronto does. Um, so. Yeah, that is that is a it's a very tough team to face and Masai's unbelievable. Uh, probably the best at what he does. I didn't a soccer team try to take him from Toronto. Um, there's a a different a, a team from a different sport was trying to, to take him and then turn him into a soccer general manager or soccer talent evaluator just because his his ability to, to find talent and find people um, that work together. I just saw. I just I, I thought that was interesting. I'm a big yeah. Toronto fan.
4: The Wizards <laughs> tried something like that. <laughs> they with, did with Sashi Brown. Uh huh. So
0: yeah, yeah. It's I, I, I love stories like that. It's kind of funny. It's interesting for sure. All right. Well, we will. The last two games we're going to touch on today were the opening night games. Um, I can't. So busy. What are the days? Was it Tuesday night? Tuesday. Tuesday <laughs> night. First game of the NBA season. We saw uh, the Sixers travel to the to Boston and Boston. Ended up winning on a night where they um, honored Bill Russell. Uh, that was really cool. Um, every team's wearing the number six patch. Number six is now retiring the NBA. Um, players who have are currently wearing six can still wear it, but there will be no new number sixes in the NBA. Um, what do you guys think of uh, of the, the Celtics? Rob Will wasn't playing um Noah Vonley got big minutes at center, and they still looked good uh, defensively. Harden looked good offensively, um, and the Sixers only got 11 points from their bench. So I know that's a lot to unpack, but if you guys got any takeaways, I'd love to hear them.
1: Um, my big surprise, I think, or the thing that I took away from the Celtics was Grant Williams. He's always been someone, yeah. since he came into <clears throat> the league, who I've like always just enjoyed watching, and especially with Robert Williams out and being hurt seems like he's really you know taking that physical role inside and you know is kind of their enforcer because obviously Horford's their big man but he's not really you know that physical but Grant Williams seems to be stepping into that role really well uh 15 points in 24 minutes didn't miss a shot five of five um he seems to be John and he came off the bench too so you know I think they've really got that depth obviously Tatum and Brown looked absolutely you know phenomenal like they always do and um Celtics should be contenders again this year. I'm you know, excited to see him.
2: I was a little surprised to see uh, Brogdon come off the bench. I wasn't really sure what they were going to do, um, but I thought that they kind of went out and got him you know, to be their playmaker that everyone has been saying they were missing. Um, so especially in a game where you're not going to play uh, Williams and Horford at the same time and you're going to go a little bit smaller, I was kind of expecting to see him get the start over Derek White. Um, but, you know, he played well off the bench. Uh, Derek White played fine. Uh, actually, he put up two points on one of three. But, you know, he looked fine out there. So I think that they're just a deep team, and I agree that they should be you know favorites to contend for a title again this year.
0: Yeah, they're super deep. And I honestly didn't even – I totally forgot that Ime Udoka wasn't even on the mm-hmm. on the bench and was Joe Mazzula, I believe, is the interim coach right now. Um, I think he's the youngest coach in the NBA right now too technically. Yes. You gotta, mm-hmm. It's cool yeah. to see him get his first win. Um yeah, and that also one of my favorite plays of that game was James Harden stepping back, um, and Marcus Smart. It was a good move, but Marcus Smart flopped, tried to draw offensive foul. Harden shimmied like he did. again. Was it Wesley Johnson he broke yep. years <laughs> back? And then he just missed everything. So that was just that was like a microcosm of both of those two players, and that was awesome.
2: <laughs> I saw someone say Smart got closer to the bucket than Harden's shot <laughs> he did. He might have. It's a good one.
3: It's a solid flop. I like how Marcus Smart, I like how his playmaking just continues to evolve. I think, to me, he, I felt like, I just feel like his playmaking is continuing to improve with each passing season, and yeah, visibly, I think his passing looked a lot better, and just his, a lot of his passes looked cleaner Um, in this last game. You know, it's only one game, but I think a lot of people have tried to box him into just being this defensive specialist guy, and I've always felt like he's had untapped potential on the offensive end, and I'm, I'm glad the Celtics have uh, kept him around and given him the opportunity to continue to get better because I think it's been slow, but the progress has definitely been steady, and I think he's certainly evolving into one of the better floor generals in the league and probably one of the more well-rounded guards as well. I agree. Yeah, I think on the Philly side of all of it,
4: what, what bothered me the most about Philly's performance is how P.J. Tucker and Tobias Harris had six total rebounds in this game. I mean, we we talked about it last week with some of the fits with Philly and some of the talent they have. I mean, if Tobias Harris is going to have two rebounds, why is he even in in the game? I I mean, because he's not, not, you know, an electrifying defender or a big-level defender or anything like that. He he did have 18 points. You know, he had a nice offensive game. But they got – he had 18 points. Uh, He was their fourth-leading scorer. I I mean, they can get – they can get that offense, especially when they have a guy like Harden that can create for others as well as he can. And Embiid that's going to draw as many double and sometimes even triple triple teams from defenses. They'll be able to get, you know, offense for guys, you know, manufacture shots. But I mean, James Harden had eight rebounds. He he had two more rebounds than the starting forwards on this team. I mean, that it's the same problem that the, and I know we didn't talk about the Nets, but it's the same thing that happened to the Nets against the Pelicans. I mean, the Pelicans destroyed them on the glass, and KD had three rebounds. I mean, that can't happen. And and Tobias Harris having two rebounds in this game, and and not very, not also not being a very impactful defensive guy on the other end against Tatum and guys like that. I mean, he he was. I thought he was, despite having a good offensive game, he was pretty pretty exposed in this matchup.
0: Yeah. Um. I one thing I've enjoyed from the Philly side was that Harden's I, I don't I can't think of he he was willing Harden's Harden's willingness to take some mid-range jumpers and take some shots that weren't layups or threes because we've seen Chris Paul in his later years make extend his career and extend the all, like the all-star potential of his career by being one of the best mid-range shooters and playmakers in the league and I feel like if Harden um, Harden's not the type of guy that um, his game was never going to age particularly well because he's not really a catch and shoot player. He relied on foul drawing and, and creating separation with that step back and, and beating people with this first step to the basket. And I think that the, the the middle game, he kind of just, he, he didn't, he he didn't utilize it as much as he should. So I, th- I think we're seeing a little bit more from that this year. And I think that's, that's a positive sign for him going forward. Um, the last game we'll talk about in full today was the nightcap of opening night. We saw the Warriors get their rings. Uh, They're fourth as a, in, with that core group. Uh, very impressive. Um, and we saw them beat the Lakers pretty handily, even after all the drama that had gone on. Um, it didn't seem, at least I didn't notice, any tension between the players other than, I guess, one clip of Draymond and and. Going out to talk to LeBron, and it seemed like the bench didn't love that too much. But
4: yeah, Igu- Iguodala had some uh, interesting reactions to the yeah, thing.
0: yeah, he that he did. So that's, I, <laughs> I just, guess I take. Say. I guess I take back the drama part. There wasn't that's, that's, any explicit drama between Pool and and Drama for sure. Yeah, so, yeah, and they got a photo together. They got their rings. Um,
4: and they played s- well. They looked good. Yes, they yeah, did look nice good. They they looked like the Warriors.
0: Machine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Curry, 33 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. He looked like Steph Curry still. Um I'm my question for you guys uh you guys can talk about the game and the Lakers because there's a lot to talk about there too, but just right now do you think the Warriors are the favorites to repeat?
4: I don't think so, but I think that they're in the the short list for the, like I don't think they should be the favorite to win it this year just because of everything going on because I think there's too many avenues for things to go off the rails for them. And I I, I, I feel like that there were other teams that were injured last year that made improvements that might put, like the Clippers, for example, that I think I might take over the Warriors. The, the Warriors didn't get worse. I just think the Clippers are, are better after getting healthy.
1: I think I also would have, t- I think I would have taken the Warriors before the punch but post punch i think they're still in the conversation but yeah i'm 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 with you i think that things are probably i I think things are definitely going to go off the rails and stuff is going to go on in that locker room and the warriors are going to end up as like a four or five seed and do okay in the playoffs that's that's my prediction but they if things you know work themselves out and the locker room ends up okay they could very well be the champions at the end of the year
0: yeah i think We'll see how they really act after a few losses.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. But I think it's hard to count this team out uh, at all because I, I do not expect Klay Thompson to have as rough of a year as he had last year. Uh, you know, I think he'll bounce back and be even more consistent. Uh, and I think their young guys will take bigger steps too. I'm looking forward to seeing Moses Moody out there more. Uh, and I think Kuminga played really well when he got some opportunity. Uh, and James Wiseman is back too. So, I mean, even if things go wrong between Poole and Green, uh, there's a lot of other pieces that they have that can step up and make an impact and keep this team in close contention for that title.
3: Yeah,
0: they're so deep. That team is so
2: expensive,
3: too. (laughs) Yeah. I think that this roster and that this core particularly recognizes that this dynasty is nearing its end, and I think they understand the sense of urgency in that, so... I don't know if I, can, if I can sit here and definitively say that I anticipate more locker room issues just because I think Draymond knows that this is one of the last years he will have a chance to win a title, and he'll have to live with it if he chooses to sabotage that anymore because, I mean, it could already be sabotaged completely, but I I think with Steve Kerr as the coach and with this core having been through all that they've gone through within the last few years, I, I think they understand what's at stake here, and I don't – I don't see any of them going out of their way to mess it up anymore.
0: Yeah. I think we didn't get into the Lakers that much last week, and I think they're worth talking about. We got a little bit of time, so I just wanted to bring up, what do you guys think about this Lakers team? I mean, LeBron's stat line looked looked good at the end of the game, but it just didn't seem like they were ever in the game. Anthony Davis looked good. I think he looked good. Uh, Westbrook's stat line was like a Westbrook stat line, but he also had moments of, Bad turnovers, uh, brick shots, um, defensive lapses, and then they were—they're playing guys that are probably shouldn't be on, that probably wouldn't be on most NBA rosters. Um, it just seems to me it seems like this is a team that, at its best, is a five, six seed, seven. I don't know if they're—I don't know if they're deep enough. Uh, obviously, the LeBron and AD—that's as good as any duo in the nba obviously but after that i don't i don't really know if i if i trust if i trust anybody on that roster after that
3: yeah i i think you hit it on the head i don't think they're deep enough and you i think when you have anthony davis as your second guy anthony davis is all the talent in the world but in terms of durability He's not he hasn't proven to be very reliable, at least not right now. And I think I honestly think he's the X factor for this team. This team is gonna go as far as he can take them. I think LeBron, uh Genie Bus, I, I think everyone in the organization has been adamant that A D is gonna be their guy if they're gonna go far this season and in the years to come. But if he's not healthy and if he's not playing up to standards, I, I don't I don't see this team going anywhere. I mean and even I mean he was sharp in this game, but as you can see, it wasn't enough. And still, I think even with these three guys, where they are, where they're at in their careers, I think you have to have more around them. And right now, they don't.
0: Yeah, I've been a big proponent the last two years of AD being the only being the only big and playing playing the five and actually playing the five like he did in the bubble a lot. But I don't think, know how much it really matters if you're playing with Westbrook and Beverly and Lonnie Walker and and LeBron obviously. But with I don't know how like a the supporting cast i just keep coming back to it, and you also mentioned it it just seems like they just they just don't have it in my opinion
3: yeah and everyone else around the league is incredibly deep which mm-hmm. makes it that much harder yeah
2: i mean just like last year the lakers are just filled with question mark guys like that no one has seen get this kind of opportunity um so i mean i hope that they're more driven last year a lot of the guys that they brought in uh you know for the past season just looked kind of complacent didn't look like they wanted to win so I mean this team has some young talent you know of course our Max Christie uh, who we like over here Shout um, out Max, yeah <laughs> but you know they just need some guys to step up uh, of course Matt Ryan looked really good in that one preseason game he could help them out a ton if he can knock down some shots uh, because they had LeBron take 10 threes and that was the most on their team by like a wide margin and that's not going to win you games most nights so they just really need you know some of their bench play to find a three-point shot I guess
1: LeBron said it best. They don't have shooters. They're not a team made up of shooters. And yeah, like everyone's pointed out, they're not deep. And their starting lineup, I guess, it is. You know, when you look at the five: Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverley, and Lenny Walker, the fo- Lonnie Walker, the fourth. It, it's a pretty solid lineup, but when you consider that their top three guys are all extremely injury prone and will probably be out for large stretches of this season. That is a depleted roster. Like I don't know what they're gonna do come December when at least one of those guys is out, and you know they're not getting any offensive production. So Lakers will probably. I think they'll finish as a like a you know play in ish team. I don't see them you know securing a seat higher than five or six. I'm kind of with Liam on that one, but I I think they'll barely sneak into the playoffs Mm -hmm. if anything.
4: Yeah, I I agree with. All of this, but also I think the biggest thing for me with the Lakers is that it, the, the, the turnovers just kill them. I, I mean, and I that's why I, I never liked the Westbrook and LeBron fit. I see why other people like it, especially with the capabilities of both guys in transition. But those are, over the course of the last decade, two of the most turnover-prone guys in the entire NBA. And it's not that they're not great passers or anything either. I mean, it's not like they have bad... It's just a turnover ratios or whatever. But I'm just saying in terms of the raw quantity of turnovers from both of those guys, they are two of the top five guys over the last decade. And you have both those guys playing year. They had nine turnovers combined in this game. I mean, there are teams that go entire games without having nine turnovers. And they got that from these two guys. And, you know, with, with the bench like theirs, with, as, as, you know, lacking in talent as theirs seems to be, you need to be able to maximize your possessions and efficiency and get guys clean looks, open looks. And, and you're giving a – I mean, AD had three turnovers, so you got 12 turnovers combined from your three studs. That's not going to get it done. And LeBron had five offensive rebounds in that, this game. That's not something he does every night. I mean, that's not that's, – that's him putting in extra effort, and, and he was two assists shy of a, a, a triple-double. And it just it, – it didn't even seem like it was a game. I – I don't like this team at all, really. I think if Anthony Davis gets injured, we're talking about this being the worst team LeBron's ever played on, and I don't really think it's particularly close. I, I think really the only reason we're not saying that is how good Anthony Davis is.
0: Yeah, I'd like to see if I would like to see a January, like a late January game. If AD's out, if Westbrook's out, their starting lineup, what it would look like, and then compare that to like his early, cle- his first. Like his from his rookie year to whenever he went to Miami, like some of those Cleveland teams, it'll be probably on par with that. I agree. Um, all right, last segment where you are going. Each of us are gonna pick one of our one of the biggest surprises we've seen so far. Whether that be a team, a player, could be from a game we talked about, could be from a game we didn't talk about. Um, it's pretty open ended, so uh, we're just gonna go around the table and uh, pick a pick a surprise and talk a little bit about why we're surprised it and maybe even do we think that that is going to continue uh we'll start with we'll start with AJ
3: okay yeah for me it was uh Ben Simmons in his debut um was disturbingly quiet against the Pelicans and as much as I hate using this word I felt like he looked very timid at points um looked very unsure of his role on this team which after thinking about it for some time I think is to be expected you know this is the first time I think Simmons will not be playing with the ball in his hands most of the time for his career you know Philly they gave him the ball they made him their franchise point guard and they allowed him to go out make plays and, and learn on the fly and he doesn't have that same opportunity in Brooklyn I think at least right now I don't think they're they plan on putting the ball in his hands and you know he's, he's so talented and athletic and versatile that he'll I think he'll still be able to thrive but so right now it was it was it was disturbing to see and, and troubling just because I mean when he's rolling he's phenomenal and he affects the game in so many ways and everybody knows about his shooting woes, but if he's not shooting the ball well and he's not contributing in the way that we've grown accustomed to seeing him contribute, then he doesn't really have much to offer. So that was my biggest surprise.
0: Yeah, I think that that the nets are just gonna be one of the biggest storylines all year and um I think it it makes sense that he would in his first game back he's been it's been a long time but it's just uh I don't know man I don't I want I I'm rooting for him I hope he he figures it out but that was a rough a rough first game for sure
4: I think that was a really bad matchup for that yeah I, like a really bad because the Nets are one of those teams that like the regular season isn't going to matter as much they have new players they're coming off injuries they're trying to figure it out and they ran into a team that's basically trying to be this year's Memphis, full of young talent, guys that, like, I mean, Zion talked about after the game how hungry they were. I I think that was a buzzsaw matchup for them. Mm -hmm. And And Simmons did get pigeonholed into guarding Zion, which is not something he should be doing. He should be able to float around on defense, you know, mix up with whoever, you know, the opposing player, you know, whatever the matchups dictate. He got pigeonholed into being a post guy, Got killed, got in foul trouble. Yeah, it was disappointing. I agree. I
0: love the Pels this year, too. I mean, yes. they're offensively, defensively, they have playmakers on both sides. Obviously, we know offensive the firepower, but a defense with uh, Herb Jones, um, Trey Murphy, Jose Alvarado, those are just great defenders. I like, yeah,
4: I like their bench a lot. Yeah, it's Nance, a lot of fun. fans had a really nice game.
0: Yeah. Um, Go, Jack, what What have you been most surprised about so far?
2: Yeah, so I was actually thinking about talking about the Pelicans, but then I, I was like, you know, I don't think that should be a surprise. I think this team is criminally underrated. Uh, Brandon Ingram especially. I did not hear his name enough. Um, but, you true. know, we kind of touched on that. Uh, so I actually wanted to talk about the Knicks. Um, I was pleasantly surprised with Cam Reddish. You know, he's been a big question mark for them, maybe an X factor. Um, I was pretty high on him for a while, uh, and I liked seeing him – you know, ball out, he shot 9 of 15, 50% from the three-point line. So, I mean, if he can continue that play, that's going to be huge for them. Uh, but this team is just really weird. They had Isaiah Hartenstein get 40 minutes uh, because Mitchell Robinson nearly fouled out in, like, less than 15 minutes. Um, so, I mean, a lot of people are counting this team out as kind of like the Eastern Conference team that's going to fall out of the conference or the the playoffs as other teams get deeper. Um But you know they hung with this Memphis team. They overcame a nearly twenty point deficit, forced it to OT, and lost to Tyus Jones on a game winner. So I mean that's kind of an impressive performance for them. I have no idea what to think of this team. Yeah, no, I agree. I think Cam. I think I'm.
0: I want to free Cam reddish. I think he should start (laughs) or go to a different team. I think I don't think Thibodeau appreciates him enough. I think Cam reddish is a great player, underrated.
1: Really good talent for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. So my surprise uh, this week. I was really curious to see what the Mavericks were going to look like coming into this year because obviously everything revolves around Doncic. But, you know, they had Porzingis last year and they usually just throw a bunch of wings who can shoot around him and just see what happens. But last night we got to look at what Christian Wood, you know, can do on this team. And holy crap, 16 straight points, 25 <laughs> overall. They ended up losing in the end to. According to Mark Jones, uh, Damian Williams' last second shot—he called <laughs> him Damian Williams at least once last night, <laughs> even though it's Damian Lee. Um, and apparently, 2K has his name spelled wrong too. So, so why are you disrespecting res- that man, I know. poor guy? So yeah, I'm campaigning but more respect for Damian. More respect for <laughs> Damian Lee. I, that's my campaign today. But um, Christian Wood, absolutely, uh, we've seen for the past five or six years now, he's capable of putting up 15 to 20 points a night you know, put, getting rebounds, being physical down low. We saw it in Detroit, saw it in Houston. And, you know, losing Porzingis this year, you know, seeing what was going to happen down in the paint was kind of a question mark. And he didn't even start, and he came in and, you know, did phenomenal for them because, you know, JaVale McGee and, you know, they throw Finney Smith down there sometimes, and Cleva plays a decent amount at the wing or at the lower block. But, you know, Christian Wood, I think, you know, he's been in the running for most improved before, so he's not – really in that conversation, I think, this year. But I think we're going to see him take another leap and be just super um, consistent as that second guy in Dallas behind Doncic. So I'm ready for that.
0: Yeah, offensively, him and Luka are pretty nasty together, um, and they showed it last night. So I think that's a really good pick. He was he was probably um, my – like he was up there with my biggest surprises too, and I
4: hope that he can keep it up. For sure. So <clears throat> I'm going to go with the, the Utah Jazz – or the Denver Nuggets, because I guess both outcomes were pretty, both sides of this were pretty surprising. Um, but more so the Jazz, just because I didn't think the Jazz were going to be able to put together a game like that offensively, especially so early in the season. And I know there's talent there because while there's not really like a star on that team, they go about eight, nine deep of solid NBA. I mean, Malik Beasley's the seventh or eighth guy off the bench for them. I mean, that's that's a solid depth. But I, I just, I mean, they're supposed to be a tanking team. I mean, they're supposed to be a tanking team or, or a team that we, we think is, you know, trying to position themselves for, for Vic and all that stuff. Or, you know, they, they traded both their stars in the, or, well, their three best players in the offseason, Bogdanovich, if you include Bogdanovich. Uh, and, and, you know, they come out and they beat, you know, Denver, a team that is hoping for, you know, an NBA Finals push, you know, by 21. Yeah, it was, was my pick yeah. for a conference finals team. So. And it wasn't just that they beat them; it was like, uh, like Colin Sexton just staring down Jokic for ten seconds before taking him to the room. It, it was, it was, I mean, they it was it was, it was insulting, and, and and I think the Jazz might turn into an interesting team this year because they do have two very old vets in Mike Conley and Rudy Gay that have played together before on like really interesting Memphis teams back in the day and those guys leading your locker room, I don't think you could I don't think you could do a lot better than that in terms of like veteran leadership. And definitely you could do better than that in terms of like veteran talent. But those are two very, very well respected locker room guys that also have chemistry with each other. And also they go about 10 deep of guys who can knock down threes at a very efficient level. I mean, Markinen Markin was 3 of 7. Conley had 2. at was 2 of 3 from 3, and he only played 15 minutes, and he started. And I mean, I, I'm not expecting a lot from the Jazz this year, but I was definitely surprised by that outcome, and I'm interested to see if they can put more games together like this because they might turn into a team that starts ruining people's playoff playoff positioning and stuff like that towards the end of the year because people are going to sleep on you know this team and they're going to play Portland four times they're going to play Denver three more times and they're going to play Minnesota four times I mean they're going to play playoff teams so they're going to have chances to upset some people and and ruin some seasons and I think they might do it
0: yeah I think I'm curious to see how long they go if they if they keep overperforming, how early they tear it down potentially because they do have like they do have Pieces like you talked about, like, like Jordan Clarkson is a piece that um, contending teams might want. Oh, you can o- always ask for more shooting, Mike Conley, a team if you want to bring in a veteran, like you mentioned, veteran presence on a team, on a younger team that's pushing uh, for a playoff spot or playing spot. So I'm curious to see if they roll with this and just see what they got all year, if they blow it up, because I wouldn't be surprised either way. Um, all right, my surprise, at least so far, and I don't expect this to con- continue. I expect them to be one of the worst teams in the NBA probably throughout the course of the season. But the Charlotte Hornets blew out the the Spurs in the on opening night. And this is a team that has dealt with um injuries and arrests all off season um from Miles Bridges. James Booknight Knight recently was arrested. Um I know Montres Harrell is playing now. He's not on the Hornets, but he was in trouble with the law for a, a little bit there. And then LaMelo Ball, their only real star or all-star on their team, um, sprains his ankle in the preseason. He's out. So he got Terry Rozier running the show, but um, they beat the Spurs, and I thought that was impressive. Also, coaching. Their coaching search was wild, too, because uh, Borrego is out, and then they hired Atkinson, and then that he decided not to go, went back to golden state so sean clifford is there if i'm not mistaken now and he's been there and he's also not the type of coach you usually bring into a team that's trying to rebuild um he's kind of uh coach coach you bring in if you're trying to push for a playing spot push for a playoff spot so just kind of a really weird off season, and i was uh surprised to say the least that they came out and, and looked as good as they did now i don't think they will going forward um especially without especially until Lamelo's back um but yeah, I think that this is a team that I thought was going to be in the running for Vic and still could be, but I think Vic and LaMelo would be really fun, and I would root for that for sure. Um, I think that is all we got. I th- One more quick live update. Um, Kawhi Leonard coming off the bench mm-hmm. opening night tonight. Um, I don't know if this is just something they're going to do in the beginning of the season, limit his minutes, but... Kawhi Leonard is sixth man of the year would be awesome. <laughs> he could add that to the, to the mantle. Uh you guys got anything else uh, going into this next week of games you wanna add real quick?
3: Shaden Sharp looked really good to me. True in his debut. That was
4: surprising how he how well he played in limited minutes. Mm-hmm. He was very that was very impressive.
0: I'm glad he's healthy. I'm glad that elbow that was what was the wrong way, right? his elbow. Yeah. yeah it was glad a couple, that, yeah, yeah. I'm glad that he's uh was back and ready and um yeah, that was, that was probably uh, second on my list was the fact that he came in as a very unknown, very uncertain, missed summer league, comes in and knocks down some big threes in a, in a close game off the bench. It was awesome to see. But as we go throughout the season, we'll be with you guys every week. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I Can't wait to, uh, to talk more basketball with all you guys soon. Um, we'll be here same time, same place next week. Uh, Go out there, be nice to people, and enjoy some basketball.